I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 416 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action that's coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, it is time for another Frogman Friday edition of First Class Fatherhood. Today, former Navy SEAL Jake Zwig joins me on the podcast. Jake is currently the Director of Player Development at the University of Illinois under Coach Lovey Smith. Jake earned a Master's of Business degree at the University of Michigan and a Bachelor of Science from the U.S. Naval Academy. He went on to BUDS, where he was named the leader of Class 217. He served with the elite United States Navy SEAL teams with SEAL Team 8, eventually attaining the rank of Lieutenant. Jake co-hosted the Discovery Channel series titled Dude, You're Screwed, which pitted Special Forces veterans and survivalists in a competition to survive the world's harshest environments. Jake defied the freezing peak of an Icelandic mountain as well as the scorching heat of a desert in Africa. He also competed in the History Channel's Top Shot. Jake is a survivor, an inspiring speaker, a hero, and I am honored to have him on the podcast today. Jake Swig will be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. And today's conversation with Jake Zwig was recorded on video and is available for you guys to watch on my YouTube channel. So if you'd like to watch the conversation between myself and the Navy SEAL, get over there and hit me with a subscribe on YouTube, First Class Fatherhood. The link is in the description of today's podcast episode. All right, and I've got to give a hat tip here to another frogman, Travis Lively, for recommending Jake for the podcast here. If you missed my interview with Travis Lively, please flip it back to episode 397 and take a listen. Travis was the star of the documentary Buds Class 234, uh, which was seen by just millions of people and really put the Navy SEALs on the map. It really gave uh, regular citizens their first peek inside the military's most difficult training program on the planet. And if you enjoy my interviews with the Navy SEALs, some of the other Navy SEAL dads that I've uh, had the honor of interviewing on the podcast here include Jocko Willink, Marcus Luttrell, Rourke Denver, Rob O'Neill, and even Medal of Honor recipients Ed Byers, Michael Thornton, and Bob Kerry. All of these episodes are available in the archives of the podcast and ready for you to listen to at your convenience. All right, and follow me on Instagram at Alec underscore Lace to find out who will be joining me here next week on the podcast, including the return of UFC Hall of Famer Tito Ortiz, who is running for city council in his hometown of Huntington Beach. Don't miss out on that one. If you guys are enjoying the show, please consider hitting me with a rating or review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever it is that you enjoy listening to the show. And as always, guys, please help me spread the word about this podcast. Every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list, let them know about the show that's here celebrating fatherhood and family life. Fatherhood rocks, family values rule, and every day is Father's Day right here with me. And I'm going to be right back with former Navy SEAL Jake Zwig. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. Today's episode is being brought to you by Manscaped, and dads, 2020 has been a year of things happening that are completely out of your control, but there is one thing that you can control, and that is shaving that area that made you a dad in the first place. My sponsors over at Manscaped.com are here to remind you to do so. The Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 is a premier electric trimmer that is waterproof with advanced skin-safe technology, so you never have to worry about scratching those love spuds while you're giving yourself a smooth shave. The Lawnmower 3.0 is included in the Perfect Package 3.0, and for a limited time, when you order the Perfect Package kit, you're going to get two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag and the Manscaped Anti-Chafing Box of Briefs. And let me tell you something right now, guys. The Anti-Chafing Cooling Box of Briefs are the best pair of drawers I've ever put on. So what are you waiting for? Visit Manscaped.com. Use my promo code FATHER. You're going to save 20% off your order plus free shipping. That's 20% off your order plus get free shipping at Manscaped.com. Use the promo code FATHER and get rid of those short hairs in your short pants today. 
Joining me now, First Class Father, Jake Zwig. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Thank you, Alec. I'm not sure I'm a first class father. You know, I'm the first one to tell you I only give advice to something that I've been through and done. And I got young kids. I got a nine-year-old, a seven-year-old, and a six-year-old. So for me, like it's real infancy. I tell everybody I went out and got one of the world's best dads, in my opinion, to help mentor me so that my kids wouldn't be raised like I was raised. Um, it's probably one of the, the most influential things I've done in my life as far as being a father. Like uh, I had a, a crazy thing happen. I, my, my son was probably four and I at him and he was cowering in the bed. And I said, I done turned into my dad, you know, quick to spank, quick to yell. And so I, I had this meeting coming up with this very, very awesome dad that I know. And I just asked him, man, I said, hey, I said, I know I could you could help me in a thousand different ways. But right now I got a, a drunk truck driving father, dad, that is my father figure. And I can't raise my kids like I was raised. And so the first thing he said is no spanking, you know, and I came home. My wife is country is all get out. And ever since then, like the bottom two kids really haven't been spanked when they're you little, little, like two, three. Yeah, you might pop them a little bit. Like the oldest kid, he don't get spanked at all. Like there ain't no switches, there ain't no belts, there's nothing like that. Long conversations, repeated conversations, you know, stuff that's gonna help him make better decisions when he's a grown up instead of being an angry, violent guy like me. Yeah, well said, Jake. And that's one of the reasons too that I have this podcast, just a collaboration of a lot of dads giving their advice, giving their wisdom, helping to share their experience because there's really not a lot of things like this for dads out there. When you look at the podcast for parenting, it's heavily, heavily le uh, leaning towards all the moms. There's plenty of uh, resources for moms out there, not as much uh, uh, for dads. And we just go on our experience that we've had. And if that's been a bad one, then it, the cycle continues, you know? So uh, yeah. don't get me wrong. I didn't have a bad experience. I just got raised by a savage to be a savage and it has its time and place right in the Navy SEALs. It was a good deal. But even there, I was a little over the top as far as savagery goes. Right. I'm raising my kids to be CEOs. You know, if you ask my kids right now where they're going to college, it's going to be the same answer out of all three of them. Harvard, Stanford, West Point or Yale, period. That's what they're going to tell you every time. Um, you know, we got the, the big five that we say in the morning. I'm going to be a leader, be a superstar, be a Zwig. Um, my oldest son wanted to be a kid, so he put in there, I'm going to be a kid and have fun. And then we're always going to care for our people. So those are the big five right now. We, I got to grow up with the nine-year-old. We'll get to the big 12 based on kind of some Douglas Alexander Zimbeck stuff um, from his, dot, his dad. His dad gave him kind of 12, 10, 12 principles to live by. So, but yeah, man, I, I tell everybody. Like, the only thing I care about is moms not helicopter parenting their kids, man. Like, you know, I thought about kind of what I wanted to be my message on this thing is, like, you got to let your kids. I let my kids fall down all the time. You know, my one kid was climbing a tree the other day, and my mom, my wife was, like, getting ready to say, I said, no, 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 no. Let him fall from seven feet so that he understands he'll get hurt when he's at 20 feet. You know, so many parents want to run over there and catch their kid. And I'm like, look, you can't. You know, these are my kids. Like my youngest kid, he ain't got no trouble jumping. He tried to jump off the top bunk and do a front flip onto the bottom bed. On We got three beds in the room. So he would try to jump off one bunk bed into the twin size bed. And where do you think he landed, Alex? 
clear, square on the floor because <laughs> he has seen his older brother do it. So I, you've got to let him fall. you got to let him fail. You know, I think failing right now is a, a lost art in America. We, we yeah. not. I agree with you, Jake. And one of the things I, I talk about on the show here is like when I was a kid, we played a lot of street ball and we, you know, there were, we played football and there was no parents, no referees, no coaches, nobody watching over us. We we decided who was on what team. We decided where the end zones were. We we solved all the fights that happened on the field. And it's like our kids are losing that 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 problem solving uh, skill set because we put them in sports at such a young age at four years old. They're already in organized sports. And I think we're doing them a disservice by doing that. Yeah, you know, I, here's what I'm going to say. It, it comes back to now the Internet has made everybody's problems your problems, correct? So so kid gets kidnapped in San Antonio, and I'm in, you know, Wisconsin, Racine, Wisconsin. Oh, my God, I can't let my kid go outside. Well, I know this. When I was in San Antonio, my kids didn't go anywhere by themselves because kids get kidnapped in San Antonio all the time. When I live in Washington State, someone tried to abduct me as an eighth grader, but I spent the first, you know, six, seven years of my life from six, and when I moved to, to Silicon and six years old to probably about 12, I, I could go anywhere I wanted in town on my bike. And so, like, I'd be gone all day. So exactly what you're saying, like, where are you going to meet up? Who are you going to play? Who's going to be there? What's going to happen? Now, my parents always knew where I was at. But, you know, I tell the story. I was seven years old. I had a boat, an engine, and I could go from the left side to the trestle all the way to the Masonic Lodge. That was where my dad could see me in the water. And I could go one mile out. And so I drive around the, the, the Puget Sound in my boat. I thought I was dang a pirate, you know. That's the kind of stuff that, like I told my wife, we, we got to move out this neighborhood we live in because we live in a, a nice neighborhood. But... I can't send my kids outside to play because what are they going to do? Go in the backyard? What are, they, what are they doing in the backyard? There's not a lot of activities for them. Whereas in my house in Washington State, I had a creek. I had a rope climb. I had a fort that my dad built in me that I sandbagged in. I had bullet gun, uh, chain links of, of machine gun bullets in there. And, you know, like I would move sandbags. I'm fighting in Guadalcanal, wherever it was. But that's what's missing, you know, and... The simple stuff like falling out of trees and crash. Like I, my kids crash their bikes so hard. My my youngest son had his bike at a million miles an hour, uncontrollable. <laughs> <laughs> and then he gonna crash at a million miles an hour. My wife was like, "Golly, you know." Now she used to it now, but I I laugh at people that try to help my kids. Hey, what are you doing? Well, he just fell. That's fine. I'm his dad. He'll be okay. Oh. <sighs> Okay. I'm like, look, man, the only person picking him up after a crash is himself, unless he really hurt, you know, and I had a kid get really hurt. I had a kid split his whole head open, but he got some stitches. That's what happens. You split your head open, you get stitches. So, Yeah, definitely, Jake. And, and backing it up just a little bit here, how old were you when you became a dad, and how did becoming a father kind of change your perspective on life? Um, super interesting question. I didn't become a dad until I was 40. So uh, we tried, me and my wife tried for about five years to have a kid. You know, we struggled a little bit. And then God blessed us. I say prayers to God every day. I tell him, thank you. I wasn't necessarily super subservient to God before a kid. But I told him, 
You know, I'll be very reverent to you the rest of my life if you can just bless me with a kid. So I was 40 years old. Um, you know, it changed my perspective on people having kids young. I mean, I got a buddy. All, all five of his kids are out the house already. And here I am with a five-year-old in the house. Um, the other thing is, I, I think for me, it was probably the right time to have a kid because I'm in a place now in my life where I don't have no problem quitting my job. I don't have no problem walking away from everything to make sure that I raise three superstars in life. So um, for me, it was right time. But, you know, we got a couple guys on the team with kids and I'm like, yo, it's the best blessing in the world. The thing that brings me the most joy in life is when I see a pregnant woman. I'm like, oh, my God, they're having a baby. It's so awesome. So just simple things, man. Yeah, and one of the things I focus on on the show there, talking about pregnant women, I, I focus a lot on the fatherless crisis that we have going on in our country. we got way too many kids are growing up without a father or a father figure in their life, and it's leading to real devastating results, you know, in our society. I know you're there with the football program in Illinois. Like, what, what is it? Do you see the difference? Like, do you have kids on the team that grew up without a father? And are they finding a lot, of, a lot of kids use sports to kind of find that father role model? Some use the military as well. But do you see a difference in the kids that are coming in that had no father as opposed to the ones that came in with that two-parent family structure? Absolutely. Right? A person raised by women acts like women. A person raised like a man acts like a man. Flat out. Simple stuff, right? Being conniving and caddy. Not saying all women are conniving and caddy. But they handle their problems differently because they can't go to brute force. Men prefer to handle their problems with brute force. So you got somebody that's trying to talk their way out of stuff or give excuses and all that stuff. You know, in my house, I mean, I, I, I remember it's like yesterday. I was like seventh grade. I had been reaching across the, pl the table for stuff instead of asking my, my parents to pass it to me. I remember I re reached across the table to grab the butter and my dad stuck the fork in my hand. <laughs> There wasn't no talking. There wasn't no, uh, no, but that was man, man stuff right there. Bam. And then my hand was bleeding. He pulled the fork out. He didn't even say nothing. But I know this. I didn't reach across that table ever again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. yeah I would imagine not. Yeah, no, definitely. And, uh, you know, I wanted to ask you about, because right now, obviously, the coronavirus has shifted everything, especially in the sports world here. What has been like the morality of the uh, of the kids on the team? Like, how has this coronavirus thing affected uh, the players as they approach this season, especially the freshman kids coming in and the seniors who it's their last year? It's got to be a crazy experience for these guys. So how has it been affecting them? I'll be honest with you. I don't think it affects us that much. Right. Like. We're ready to go. Like I told everybody, I hammered them. Head coach hammered them early, right? Everybody got the same circumstances. If you show up and get killed, it's your fault. So we're gonna we're gonna go at it like today. You know, we're gonna prepare today, like tomorrow's the Super Bowl every day, so that we have a chance when we go into into battle with these other teams. You know, is it, it, it? That's all it really is. So. Um, we're ready to go. I mean, we, we got a solid team. We've got a, a kind of a veteran team at this point. We've had a young team for the last three years. But, you know, the good thing is we, none of them are seniors right now. They, they It's their choice to leave because this year is voided by the NCAA. So they're allowed to come back next year if they want to. So we'll see what happens. You know, we got our first game tomorrow. It'll be good. Yeah, very
All right, dads, are you ready to get your side hustle on? I've been driving with Uber for over five years now, and it is a phenomenal way to bring in some extra income for your family. And if you've ever considered driving for Uber, why not take advantage of their sign-up bonus by using my promo code 99N9K. I'm also going to drop a link in the description of today's podcast episode. Just tap the link. It'll bring you right to Uber driver's sign-up page. And as long as you meet with the terms and conditions, you get a bonus and I get a bonus. A fair exchange is no crime. So what are you guys waiting for? Get out there and start making a little side money with Uber and use my promo code 99N9K and start making some extra income for your family today. Very cool. And what would you say, like, as far as like the leadership principles that you learned in the SEAL teams, how do they apply to the football field and to uh, the household as a father? So it's interesting. A lot of people think I learned all this massive leadership in the SEAL teams, but I really cut my leadership teeth on my ship. So I drove a ship for two years before I got to go SEALs. I came out to Naval Academy a little bit of a vagrant. I collected a large number of demerits there. So they kind of they didn't I won't say they punished me. I, I needed it. I went to a ship for two years, but I cut my teeth there. Right. How to really lead people, how to lead people that don't want to be led, how to lead people that don't have a lot of hope in life. Leading in the SEAL teams is easy. Like if someone tells you it's hard to be a leader in the SEAL teams, they're lying to you. They sucked because in the SEAL teams, it's easy. Everybody's a type A personality. Everybody's a self-starter. Absolutely the most capable people in the world. Like, I can't ask for a better team to lead than self-starter, super capable, incredibly intelligent. Three-quarters of my SEAL platoon had a college degree, right? Not saying that makes you intelligent or not. I'm just saying, like, you're leading the best people in the country. That's easy leadership. Hard leadership is when you got a division of, you know, half, you know, you got half the people that enlisted because they wanted to. The other half got tricked into enlisting or didn't have any future. So they enlisted in the Navy. They got lied to in the process. They like I had a girl in my division with a master's degree and they told her she could be a school teacher in the Navy. She was chipping paint in my division. She cried every day. And then I said, you know, what? we kind of wasting her talents as a master. She got a master's of education and we put her in charge of training and she blossomed. Had another kid on my ship that had had some alcohol problems and I took him and I, I he was a really good artist. I let him paint everything on our ship that we needed painting, painted like pictures and stuff like that. And then I farmed him out to the waterfront for six months and he came to work every day, not drunk, happy as all get out, went and painted all day. I got everything I needed for uh, MWR, Morale, Welfare and Recreation. I got, you know, 20 cans of haze gray paint from the aircraft carrier and 300 basketballs from a, a destroyer. And so. You know, that's why I cut my teeth in leadership. I, I wish my kids from a leadership perspective will be different. So it's it's funny because we call it being in charge. Who's in charge? And so one of the kids got to step up like, all right, who's in charge? I'm in charge. So then that person's in charge of getting us to the park, leading, leading, leading the searching party for, you know, on the bikes. We're going on a bike ride now. If my oldest son's in charge, he's going to try to take two lefts and go around the block, right? And then when we get back to the house, I'm going to be like, great, did, did the leader get the most out of the bike ride? He'll be like, no. Okay, then the leader got to do it again. So then, you know, by that time, one of the younger kids would be like, no, my turn. I'm in charge. And then we go on a real bike ride. So um, I try to instill a bunch of little stuff like that so they understand the power of leadership. My oldest son likes to yell like I do, which I taught him how to do it. 
So now I'm, I'm every time he starts yelling, I said, are you being are you being an influencer? Are you influencing him to do what you want him to do? Or are you yelling at him? He's like, I'm yelling, dad. I said, well, you better figure out how to influence him because yelling doesn't work. OK, dad, you know, but I, what I'm really doing is I'm training him. But I'm also training the other two because they don't yell as much as he did because he was in that early growth. He four years. I'm screaming at him and whooping his butt like a savage, you know, so um, doing some repair work there still. Yeah, I got four kids myself, Jake, and it's been a learning process for myself and trying to get all of them to work in a cohesive unit. Sometimes it definitely quite a bit of uh, patience. I'll say that of going into it. And each kid needs to be disciplined in a different uh, with a little bit of a different finesse, a little different style. So uh, it's a lot of learning for myself as I go through this. You know, my oldest is just in high school now. Uh, and, and adding on that, what would you say are some of the other I know leadership one, but some, what are some of the other values that you're hoping to instill in your kids growing up? So this is something interesting. Um, I didn't learn to read until my sophomore year of college. So I'll tell you this story. So I got a superstar wife. Like my wife is the best wife in the world. Thank you, Sarah. I love you to death. Like, like she's, she slaps me so often because I'm doing something wrong with the kids. I'm not being consistent. Like, So she basically, so I didn't learn to read until I was a sophomore in college. And... I, I was terrified that my youngest son wouldn't know how to read. And so I bought every learning aid in the world, hooked on phonics, preschool prep. I bought everything. And one day I was sitting there. And he was like mm, probably seven months old. And we that's all that plays on a TV when they're little. Like now they listen to watch cartoons. But basically the first four or five years of life, all they're listening to is preschool prep, hooked on phonics, all of that stuff. And so. My, my wife, I had ordered something and it was like this big box of videos. And my wife was like, what are you doing? And I was like, look, like he he has to be able to read. And she goes, Jake, she said, we both have master's degrees from Michigan. Our son's going to be able to read. Don't worry about it. I started bawling. Right. Because you like for me, my dad would always tell me you have to be better than I am. Right. Like I, you have to grow up to be far better than I am, far superior. And so for me, I don't want to say the bar is kind of high, but I went to the Naval Academy, got a Michigan MBA and I couldn't read. So if this kid can read, there ain't no telling what he can do. So now it's interesting because uh, he knew his alphabets in probably 15 different languages. And I tell the story like when we came over to Finley, Ohio, we had him a Russian tutor. He was pretty much. Like he could he, he could understand all Russian. He could do the Russian alphabet. He knew everything. And so I tell the story. He was probably 18 months old. And I was like, I kept hearing gibberish coming out of the, the tablet. So I'm like, hey. So one day I got his tablet when he went to took a nap and I looked and it was all Russian. Daniel the Tiger, the whole thing. So my roommate from college is Russian. So I called up Bo. I said, Bo, what's up? He said, I said, hey, man, I think this dude understand Russian. He said, all right, put him on the phone. So we put put Zimbek on the phone. Boom. I hear I hear Bo talking to him in Russian. And then my son opens up with a stove. <laughs> and I was like, damn, this dude does understand Russian. So then Bo gave me the phone back. And he was like, yeah, he understand. He knows <laughs> he understand Russian. So it was just kind of right. Like you, you're trying to compensate for that stuff. Um my oldest son is named after Douglas Alexander Zimbek, the line of Fallujah. So my oldest son's name is Zimbek Douglas Zwig. 
so that everybody understands like that he gets asked for the rest of his life where did he get his first name um you know he understands the weight that he's carrying so lad two years ago there was an awesome video by mission barbecue about doug and his story and my son made it about two minutes in and was bawling and he said dad i am that man and I have so much weight to carry now. And I turned it off and I said, he just ain't ready yet, right? He was seven, six, seven at the time. And it wasn't nothing gory. And it just, you know, he knows he died. Um, so, you know, just just a bunch, like, uh, they got to be great kids, man, great people. You know, I think Gary Vee says it best. They got to have gratitude. They got to be fortunate for where they are. You know, I'm just trying to raise three superstars, three great people, my youngest son got a little evil in him, and, you know, he, he go Tasmanian devil and will beat somebody up in a minute. And I'm like, look, are you being nice? And he's coming out of the mean phase. But, I mean, if you're the baby in my house, you, you got to fight for a piece of bacon. So I understand why, but he's— And you, he's, said, you, you said you have two boys and a girl, Jake? Three boys. Oh, three boys. Okay. All right. All right. Yes. Yeah. So we have three. We have three boys. Then we got the girl on the fourth try there. So, um, if not, we probably have five by now. But we got her on the end. So it's it's definitely um, it, it's definitely uh, di- different can, uh, the way that I discipline them. You know, with the girl. Can you talk to my wife for me? Because I'm trying to get a daughter out this deal, and she trying. I was going to ask you if you were going to try for the fourth time there. I didn't want to push the envelope though. She telling me the oven's been removed from the kitchen. I'm like, <laughs> come on. So you got uh, you got your older three are boys, and then you got a daughter. Yeah, mine are 14, 13, 9, and six. Yeah, my youngest is our girl. So um, I'm I'm hoping that I get you know I, I really get my uh, my three boys to help look out for her when she gets old enough to hit that dating scene, and then hopefully I'm seasoned enough as a dad to be able to handle those moments as they come my way here. No, uh, I can't give you any help, but I know this: my two nieces that I try to have my hands on. Man, it's so true. They hit 13 and they turn into exorcists and they come back to life about 19. And for for like six, seven years, they're the demons, just demons, like not even not even people, you know, I just hear horror stories. I'm like, man. And I remember my two. I mean, my two nieces, they did some damage in them six years. Damage. So, yeah, that's what I've been hearing. So I'm bracing for impact over here. What would you say are your plans here now for the future? What kind of goals do you have here? Have you had a lot of success already in life, Jake? What kind of goals or plans do you have here for yourself for the future? I mean, for me, it's simple. Like, you know, my number one goal is I'm going to raise three, three beasts on life, period. Like, that's the number one goal. After that, I'm going to win a Division One or a Super Bowl National Championship as a head coach. And then I'm going to be a U.S. Senator off of that Division One National Championship or Super Bowl. That's it, right? And I got some other stuff that I would like to do. Um, I've been operating. So everybody asks me now, and I tell them, so I've been operating off this book right here for the last six years. And basically the premise of it is like always go with the best opportunity. Like your goals are cool, but take the best opportunity. I turned down an opportunity to go work for Oprah Winfrey in 2005. It's a super long story. But the bottom line was I was going to make $2,800 a day. I turned that down and kept my $7,000 a year GA job. Because I was being hardline on my goals. So I kind of come off the hard line of my goals. Obviously, I will raise three beasts in life. Like if I have to quit my job to do to give them more time, I will. Um, so it's really about my kids now. You know, like my oldest son last summer, he was pissed because we transferred him from kindergarten to this other school. 
and he was in the second math group. He didn't like that. That didn't sit well with him. So we had to do a whole year year of math over the summer. And, you know, my wife is awesome. I'm pretty I'm really good at math. So like he pretty much taught himself, but he did a whole year of math in three months. You know, to me, that's more important than anything I got set out for myself. You know, yeah. Yeah, very good. I, I love that, Jake. Yeah, I, I'm lear- I'm relearning all this stuff as my kids are going through, it. and the way they teach math in school is kind of a little bonkers for the way that I'm used to doing it. But it's 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 good. It helps me expand a little bit on myself. And uh, last thing I want to hit you with here, Jake, I love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about to be father who's out there listening? So you get that black poop off with soap and water, not wet wet wipes, right? Like that was something that was like monumental. The biggest thing I tell all new fathers, and this is the biggest thing I tell all dads that are in that position, your wife is going to be someone different from three months before she gives birth to about nine to ten months after she gives birth. And and I, I didn't realize that the first kid, I mean, it caused us so much pain. And, you know, I, I, I tell everybody, like, that's the, that's the one thing that I wish I would known before I had a kid. The having a kid part, like they undestructible. I threw my kid off the couch. He flipped. I, I couldn't catch him. He fell off the couch. Nothing happened. He didn't even cry, right? But it's more so with that relationship with your wife or, or the mother of your kid that, you know, it gets crazy, man. Like I, I thought she had a kid. She'd be back to normal. Woo woo, let's go. And then nine months later, like I still got, you know, somebody I don't really know in the house. And she came back, but, you know, it's it's a different it's a big adjustment when you put a kid in the house because her her focus went from you being number one in the house to that kid being number 100 and you being like one million. So like the kid is number one and then you don't even exist anymore. And that's how it should be. Right. Like her job is to take care of that kid. and You can help all you want. But at the end of the day, my kids get sick. They don't call for me ever. You know, they're not calling for dad. I ain't heard dad's name come out of anybody's mouth yet. So, yeah, very well said. I love the message. It's really been an honor for me. I got to say, Jake Swig, you are a first class all the way. Thank you for your service and thank you for giving me a few minutes of your time here on First Class Fatherhood. Awesome, Alec. Appreciate it, bud. Make sure you uh, send it over to me, man. I'll, I'll, I'll send it out. Easy day. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. i got to give a special thank you once again to Jake Zwig for giving me a few minutes of his time here. That was such an honor. Please hit me up on Twitter, guys. Or drop me that DM on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love reading your feedback. Lock it in. i got some great guests joining me here next week. Follow me on Instagram at Alec underscore Lace to find out who they will be. I'm giving you one right off the top here. He's returning to the show. UFC Hall of Fame fighter Tito Ortiz, who is running for city council in his hometown of Huntington Beach, California. Don't miss out on that one. It's going to be an awesome episode. Uh, that's all I got for you guys today. I'm Alec Lace. Thank you for listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers. Your half-truths and tales, as tall as a tree's, have a soft feeling so-